cash that you could put in an envelope or mark somehow with your name on it and then give that to John Pratt. John, wave your hand. That's John right there. If you don't know who John is, you can give him the money. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and... 6-1, since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. And so that'll settle that. So uh, it was a great night last night. And we're going to fire it up again this morning. Let's have Pastor Mitchell come. Thank you. If you have your Bibles, you might want to turn to Genesis chapter 24. And I want to uh, minister a couple of verses out of that. I was sharing with uh, the Malinowskis how things change. Uh, when I was a boy here, went to junior high school, the old buildings where the courthouse, county courthouse building is up on Gurley Street. We uh, brought our guns to school, put them in their lockers, and uh, after school we hunted up Government Canyon for rabbits and up on this hill I've hunted how things change. I want to uh, minister just for a couple of minutes uh, from this uh, passage that we have. We have a, a story of Isaac and uh, Rebecca. And uh, I want to use that as a launching pad for this study. I, someone said that they got married in 1979. They'd never heard Hearts and Flowers. So it must have been uh, a generation ago. It was probably 77, 78, somewhere around there. But there's probably no greater uh, misunderstanding uh, in marriage relationships than the uh, differences in men and women. The lie that has been propagated by our generation is that the reason that men and women are different is that they're forced by society into different roles. Well, that's a lie. Men and women are different. They're wired differently. The plumbing's different. Women think out of one side of their brains. Men think out of the other side. They're totally different creatures. And to be able to... Uh, uh, function together, you have to understand that they have different roles because they are different. And uh, uh, 
their bone structure is different. They can find a, 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 a bones out in the tules that have been there forever. Uh, a grave, they can dig them up. They can tell whether that was a man or whether that was a woman because the bone structure is different. So if you have to, uh, uh, to uh, uh, contemplate this, there is a difference in men and women. And if you're going to have a successful marriage, you have to understand that uh, intimate relationship, uh, to have that, uh, demands that you have an understanding and a sensitivity to that. In Genesis 24, we have the uh, story of uh, Isaac and Rebekah. And uh, you know the story? Eleazar has been up in uh, Haran. He's been finding a bride for Isaac, and he comes back here. Verse 64 of Genesis 24. Then Rebekah lifted her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she dismounted from her camel, for she had said to the servant, Who is this man walking in the field to meet us? And the servant said, It's my master. And so uh, she took a veil and covered herself, and the servant told Isaac all the things that he had done. Then Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent, and he took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. So Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. So there is a a demand for an understanding of the mutual dignity and respect and sensitivity between a man and a woman. And there's a natural role. Uh, You stretch on back, man is the hunter. Uh, He is the provider. Woman is the homemaker. That's their natural role. And uh, uh, this is biblical. And uh, a woman gets her dignity from her husband. This is what many husbands do not understand. Uh, We're going to deal with that a little bit as we move on through that because it's far-reaching. And this is the danger that we get into in our society, and one of the things that's causing major difficulties is the uh, is the lack of understanding that these are the natural God-given roles. When you divert when you divert from that and you begin to uh, take on other uh, activities and other uh, understandings, then you're going to uh, lose the understanding uh, that that is how God has made the creature. This is the danger of the working wife. Uh, she uh, goes on the job, uh, they compliment her uh, on the job, tell her what a good job she's doing. She begins to make uh, more money than the husband. She begins to be independent. I read a little quote last night. And uh, so uh, this misunderstanding begins to cause stress uh, in the home. I want to read to you a passage from Proverbs 31 and uh, lay out some very simple understandings and yet some very uh, deep uh, uh, elements that are there. Uh, Proverbs 31.10 says, Who can find a virtuous wife? For her worth is far above rubies. The heart of her husband safely trusts her, so he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days uh, of her life. I was talking to Mark Berry after the seminar last night. He said, My w- mother had been married eight times. And he said, I, I said, Mom, uh, why do you keep marrying these guys? She says, I just keep meeting the wrong man, you know. So. <laughs> and so uh, something's missing there somewhere. She seeks wool and flax and willingly works with her hand. She's like the merchant ship. She brings her food from afar. She also rises while as yet night and provides food for her household and a portion for her maidservant. She considers a field and buys it. 
from her prophet, she plants a vineyard. She girds herself with strength and strengthens her arms. She perceives that her merchandise is good and her lamp does not go out by night. She stretches out her hands to the distaff and her hand holds the spindle. So she extends her hand to the poor. Yes, she reaches out her hands to the needy. She's not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household is clothed with scarlet. She makes tapestry for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes them uh, uh, linen garments and sells them and supplies sashes for the merchants. Strength and honor are her clothing. She shall rejoice in time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom and on her tongue is the law of kindness. She watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many daughters have done well, but you exceed them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is passing, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gate. So here we have a picture, and this picture is not of a, 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 an ignorant woman, uh, who is uh, held captive in the home and is denigrated because of that role. Here's an intelligent woman. Uh, this woman is an industrious woman. This woman uh, knows about money. She's able to, uh, to do that. And uh, many uh, uh, have taken that and said, well, what she was, she was a real estate agent. She had a career. And that was, that's not what that's saying at all. And for you to... Uh, take that and begin to uh, uh, fulfill your own agenda, uh, you're, uh, you're uh, abusing the scriptural reverence. That is giving the dignity of a woman that functions within the household uh, with great blessing to her family. So this brings me to uh, uh, a couple of statements that we need to uh, bring. First uh, Peter 3, 7 says, Husbands, likewise dwell with them uh, with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers not be hindered. This is a profound statement. And this says to men, if you want to be happily married, you have to make a lifelong study of your wife. Dwell with them with understanding. How are you going to dwell with them with understanding if you never pay any attention to uh, the buttons? You know, there are buttons, words, uh, press certain buttons, and you don't want to press those buttons at the wrong time. <laughs> she is the weaker vessel. That doesn't mean that uh, she uh, does not have dignity. doesn't mean that she doesn't have character. doesn't mean all of these things. It means that she has certain traits that are inherent in the woman, and because of that, unless you pay attention to that, you're going to have trouble in your marriage, or you may even lose your marriage. Someone uh, gave a very interesting quote I thought was interesting. He said, I never married. This is, a, this is a, a woman. I never married because there was no need. I have three pets at home which answer the same purpose as a husband. I have a dog which growls every morning. A parrot which swears all the afternoon. And a cat that comes home late at night. So uh, you have to pay attention to what you're doing. And I, I, I have no doubt that this describes uh, many a woman's relationship with her husband. 
And uh, Proverbs 21:19. When you read Proverbs, you have to, you, instead of just reading the words, I'm always thinking about, you know, what kind of experiences this guy have to write these? Listen to this. Proverbs 21:19. Better to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious and angry woman. <laughs> this guy's had a bad experience. Proverbs 25, 24. It's better to dwell in a corner of a housetop than in a house shared with a contentious woman. Proverbs uh, 19, 13. A foolish son is the ruin of his father, and the contentions of a wife uh, are a continual dripping. Proverbs 21, 9. Better to dwell in the corner of a housetop than a house shared with a contentious woman. So this fellow's had a bad experience, and uh, he's living with a woman that is unhappy. And uh, the, the old saying that mama's happy, everybody's happy, mama's unhappy, ain't nobody happy. <laughs> so this is why Peter said you need to study and you need to understand uh, the nature of this creature uh, that you're married to. And so uh, on the woman's side, I want to say that you can't have a good relationship and emasculate your husband. As I'm going to state uh, a little further along, man is a naked ego running through life. Once you understand that, you're a long ways uh, along the road to success. And uh, what happens is that if you constantly are denigrating him, you're constantly criticizing him, uh, you're uh, uh, demeaning him because he doesn't make enough money to suit your taste, or he doesn't do this or he doesn't do that, uh, the problem is that some floozy will come along. This is one of the most amazing things. I see people in life, they, uh, a man's married to a very attractive, very sexy woman and a very, very fine-looking woman, and he dumps her and picks up with some woman that's as ugly as a mud fence. And this is, you know, what, what is this? Well, what this is is he found someone that gives him dignity, compliments him, and makes him feel like a man. That's at the root of that. So uh, I, I was counseling a couple some years ago, and uh, this woman was constantly haranguing and uh, so on. And I, I said to her these words. I said, dear, you can get anything you want from him, but you're not going to get it by nagging him. If you learn to maneuver and you learn how men function, he's a naked ego running through life. Once you understand that, and you begin to minister that. You can get anything. He'll give you anything on earth. But you have to understand you're not going to get it by criticizing, by demeaning him, and by dragging him down. So I want to talk to you just a moment about the nature of the fall. Back in Genesis 3.16, we have a tremendous insight. And it says, to the woman, he, God said, to the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain, you shall bring forth children. Listen to this. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Now, this is a, a tremendous statement because there are uh, people who study this, and one translator has said that what is really being said here is that your husband has been placed in a place of dominion over you, and you're going to spend all your life trying to drag that down and get into dominion in the household. Ooh, I felt that one just bouncing off the wall. So just stay with me. Don't 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 parachute out yet. We'll we'll get through this. And so uh, uh, there there's tremendous truth to that. 
And uh, uh, we see this over and over again. And this is why you have to understand. And there's an intimate relationship that has to be uh, orchestrated. I give you the quote last night from Gloria Steinem. She's a woman's liber. And she said, we're becoming the men we wanted to marry. Well, sadly, that's true. And it's odd, someone has said, how many managers as well as marriage partners realize that if you give way in little things, you can almost always have your way in the big things. Another uh, woman made a statement, said, I'm furious about the women's liberationists. They keep getting up on soapboxes and proclaiming that women are brighter than men. That's true, but it should be kept very quiet or it ruins the whole racket. (laughs) Someone has given a very good insight about the art of marriage, that a good marriage must be created. In the marriage, the little things are the big things. It is never being too old to hold hands is remembering to say, I love you at least once each day. It's never going to sleep angry. It's having a mutual sense of values and common objectives. It is standing together facing the world. It is forming a circle of love that gathers in the whole family. It is speaking words of appreciation and demonstrating gratitude in thoughtful ways. It is is having the capacity to forgive and forget. It is giving each other an atmosphere in which each can grow. It is a common search for the good and the beautiful. It is not only marrying the right person, but it is being the right person. So here are uh, some of the things that you need to understand. A mutual dignity, uh, a uh, respect, and a sensitivity. Each of you must have that. Understand that, that, understand that, and you must work at that. And when I read this quote, is the art of marriage, this is exactly what it is. It is an art. And that art is something you have to work at. It's not automatic. So I want to talk to you a little bit about romance. Now, here men are ignorant. They, they generally do not understand uh, the business of, of uh, romance. They come home from work, they kick the dog. Shout at the kids, they criticize the housekeeping, complain about the meal, they smell like a bear that just crawled out of a cave, then they turn the lights out and they want to be the great American lover. (laughs) And they can't understand why they're not getting a response. Because you do not understand human nature. Uh, One quote said, a 47-year-old Minnesota husband whose marriage has been on the skids agrees He said, I've never been real romantic, but I've learned that I get more response from my wife if I show her soft side. I might bring her a flower or a call from work to say, I just want to see how you're doing. All I have to do is one little thing, and that makes her perk up. Another uh, uh, man said, to keep your marriage brimming with love in the loving cup, whenever you're wrong, admit it. Whenever you're right, shut up. So there's a, a little art that's involved, and uh, uh, I think I used this in a sermon some years ago. One pastor said, you know, 
we need to cut out this business of uh, all the counseling in the background. What we need to do is stand this man, this woman up. Say to the man, do you want sex? Yes, I do. Say to the woman, do you want money? Yes, I do. I pronounce you man and wife. <laughs> so while that's a little bit simplistic, it does illustrate the differences in the sexes and the approach they have to marriage. Men marry for sex. That's what they marry for. Well, they like companionship and all these things. But women marry for love and security. And when they understand the sensitivity of each person and their needs, it helps to bring the two together because they have a totally different approach. Someone has uh, said it seems to be deeply embedded in the nature of a woman to count love as sincere only when a man does something to show it. And uh, uh, these two uh, elements or these two differences have to be orchestrated together. And uh, it was Ingrid Bergman who said, one is never too old for romance. And then it was Roseanne Barr who said, you may marry the man of your dreams, ladies, but 14 years later you're married to a couch that burps. If you know any history of the two, you know that uh, these are deadly uh, attitudes that begin to play out in society because women crave affection, and they call it romance. In Genesis chapter 26 and uh, verse 8, said, Now it came to pass, when he had been there a long time, that Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked through a window, and he saw... Uh, and there was Isaac showing endearment to Rebekah, his wife. The King James says uh, he saw Isaac uh, sporting with his wife. And uh, some translations uh, go a little further than that and say that he was fondling, he was uh, caressing, he was petting his wife. And so what we have here is a little bit of insight because the scripture that we read said Isaac took her, brought her into his tent, she became his wife, and he loved her. And Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. So here we have some insight, and this is the uh, intimate side of life. The Bible does not, uh, uh, doesn't uh, leave that out, brings it in, because there's an intimate relationship. And undoubtedly that uh, companionship was uh, a part of that, and undoubtedly that uh, cooked meals were probably a part of that, uh, because his mother was gone. But... Uh, certainly what is involved there is the intimate affection and the emotion in the relationship that was there. This is a, an important part. Women crave affection. Uh, they're addicts to affection. They must have the words. They must have the, uh, the uh, actions that demonstrate that you are uh, caring about them and they crave this just like a drug addict craves drugs. They have to have it. And the husband who is ignorant of that and says, I bring my paycheck home, I don't run around all over town, what more does she want? Well, what she wants is she wants affection. That's what she wants. She wants you to demonstrate to her in various ways that you care about her and you're concerned about her. Greg Mitchell, one of the men at the breakfast table, quoted Greg Mitchell's preaching on marriage. He says, uh, this quote, uh, uh, no romance, cold shoulder, 
cold meals, cold bed. So uh, this is uh, maybe a little bit simplistic, and yet it's, uh, it's true because the female creature must have intimacy to be able to function. Uh, one author says, I've met with women whom I really think would like to be married to a poem and to be given away by a novel. Well, that's their difference of approach is there is uh, not this just simple, mechanical, uh, mechanistic uh, relationship, but they have to have the surrounding. And so if, you're, uh, if you were here this morning and you thought Hearts and Flowers is going to be a sex clinic, there's much more that's involved than just simply sex. There's a whole range of relationship that bring to that uh, and that add to that so that it can, uh, uh, can function. Another author says, for a man, romantic love is worship. He doesn't want to do great things with a woman. He wants to do them for her. This is a very interesting insight. And yet another says, the trouble with marriage is that it ends every night after making love, and it must be rebuilt every morning before breakfast. So here we have the relationships that begin to flow on and finally, uh, culminating that, I want to talk for a moment about sexual fulfillment. Men, their entire ego hinges on sexual fulfillment. Women who don't understand that, don't understand manhood and sex, and when they're not responded to, they interpret that as rejection. 1 Corinthians 7, 1 through 5, one translation says, Now for the matters you wrote about, you say it's a good thing for a man not to have intercourse with a woman. Rather... In the face of so much immorality, let each man have his own wife and each woman her own husband. The husband must give the wife what is due her, and equally the wife must give the husband his due. The wife cannot claim her body as her own, it is her husband's. Equally, the husband cannot claim his body as his own, it is his wife's. Do not deny yourselves to one another except when you agree to devote yourselves to prayer for a time and to come together again afterwards. Otherwise, through lack of self-control, you may be tempted by uh, Satan. So there is a, uh, an understanding that is brought to this. And as I said before, this is not single. It does not stand alone. It's a whole range of relationships that move into this and bring this to a, 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 a culmination. Someone has written a book, I think, lately. We were discussing this. There's, uh, love has uh, languages, and there's five things. One of these is do things for them. Little gifts and women respond. Now, my wife and I have a, a, a unique relationship. Uh, years ago, in, in little uh, uh, times, I used to try to buy her clothes. And so I never bought her a thing ever in my entire life that she liked or wanted. And she always took it back. So I quit that. I said, I'm wasting my time there. That's not going to work. So then I uh, uh, went into... Uh, uh, later years than I could afford, I went into jewelry. So I started buying her jewelry until finally she said to me, if you buy me another piece of jewelry, I'm going to beat you. <laughs> so not being very creative and being uh, uh, a real man, that, I'm at a loss. You know, what else can you do? <laughs> and so uh, we have, uh, we have uh, a very good relationship and uh, uh, and so on and so uh, people are astonished that in our anniversary we don't uh, it's not a big do we don't do this massive uh, and I'm not opposed to that but it just means that this is in our relationship this has never uh, never worked out it doesn't mean that 
that I don't appreciate her or I wouldn't do little things for her and do little things for her. But uh, the gift thing is uh, not work for us. But I want to say to you, it does work for many women. And so don't say Pastor Mitchell doesn't do this. So I'm not doing this. Because it very probably will work for you. Because women respond if you do things for them. Uh, little gifts, little uh, tokens of that. It means a great deal to a woman. To a man, it doesn't mean that much. He's too practical. But to a woman, it means a great deal. The second thing is physical contact. Uh, there, there are people who, uh, I'm astonished, they, they have no ability to... Uh, give a hug, to give a, uh, a pat, to give uh, a symbol. They, they, uh, they just, it seems it's beyond them. But as I say again, women crave affection, and this is one of the ways that they do is a hug and uh, that. They, they crave intimacy. They want that. They want words of affirmation. In other words, if you, uh, if you come home, and as I said before, you uh, say this, uh, you know, we this slop again, uh, you know, can't you think of anything else to cook? Uh, you're you're moving towards trouble <laughs> because they need affirmation. Uh, anything that you can uh, say about them, uh, how they fix their hair, how their clothes are, if you pay them a compliment, uh, they get remember their dignity from their husband. And if you give them no dignity, and especially if they're working outside the home and they begin to get their dignity outside the home, you're moving toward disaster. And so you must give words of affirmation, and then they've written this quality time. And someone has said, this is time spent with her in a mall. Well, <laughs> 30 minutes in a mall, and I'm finished. And my wife and I, we have a great agreement, and that is she doesn't take me shopping. If she wants to shop, she can go shop because women shop. They don't go to buy. Men go to buy. When I go in a store, I go to buy. <laughs> women don't go to buy. Women go to shop. And so after about the second uh, uh, store we're in, let's get out of here. You know, this, this is enough of this stuff. And so uh, 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 our quality time isn't spending time in a mall. That doesn't fit for us. But they do appreciate uh, time spent with their husband. Someone said these words, said only the male intellect, clouded by sexual impulse, could call the undersized, narrow-shouldered, broad-hipped, and short-legged sex the fair sex. <laughs> but you don't ever want to let that come out your mouth. They need affirmation. Someone uh, is given a breakdown about the affirmation phase of marriage. It's age 44 to 56. How many of you are age 44 to 56? Let me see. Okay, we're moving right up, aren't we? <laughs> How many of you did I marry? Let me see your hands. Wow. Okay, it says, The happy truth about, about menopause, gentlemen, start your engines. The importance of having good sex and enough of it peaks among women at this stage. In fact, with a score of 66, it overtakes men's valuation of 54. Some of the joy of midlife sex comes 
from being more at ease. We're not consumed with making income and accumulating things. Says a 45-year-old Washington mother of two teens, the kids take care of themselves and we can relax and enjoy each other. As important, if not more, however, are the physical changes that provide concrete evidence of aging. A woman's increased interest in sex may be driven as much by a need to affirm her desirability as by desire itself. The guy who makes his wife feel especially sexy and attractive at this age will have a much happier marriage, says one author. I've got an interesting quote that uh, I think I want to give. It says, when either husband or wife After sharing the same bedroom, bathroom, and dining room with their wife for years or even decades, it can continue to fascinate as intensely as some idealized dream companion. So what happens in the process of years is that relationship is going to be the thing that fulfills uh, and brings the marriage to uh, a, uh, a happier uh, a place. Someone uh, wrote a, a, an interesting quote, says, Men build bridges and throw railroads across deserts, and yet they contend successfully that the job of sewing on a button is beyond them. Accordingly, they don't have to sew buttons. That's a very interesting insight. Okay. So we have a crucial dimension, and uh, this crucial dimension is sexual fulfillment. And uh, someone wrote this interesting insight. Listen to me, men. I think men talk to women so they can sleep with them, and women sleep with men so they can talk to them. <laughs> the greatest complaint that any counselor has, <laughs> the greatest complaint that any counselor has is, he will not talk to me. He doesn't communicate. Well, some men just don't communicate. Some men talk too much. <laughs> but some men do not communicate. My wife and I, uh, sometimes we'll travel to Phoenix and and uh, we don't say 25 words the entire time. And uh, we don't have to talk together. You know, what are you, you going to talk about? <laughs> Think about that for a moment. And so we ride along. We arrive happily there. And so I say to these women, well, he's probably normal. What do you want him to talk to you about? But understanding that, uh, you, uh, you need to pay attention to the fact that women need to have someone to listen to them. And one of the complaints that we have also is that he does not listen to me. And so uh, that's, a, that's a little faculty of a, of a man's mentality you have to understand, is that uh, when, uh, when women are talking sometimes, men are, are doing other things, you know, they're... They're, they act like they're listening, but they really aren't. <laughs> and so uh, after you've gone through a long spiel and he says, what did you say? Well, you have to understand that uh, things that interest women don't sometimes interest men. And so they begin to diverge in their mind and they begin to wander. And uh, they're nice and they don't tell you, well, I'm not listening to you. But... Uh, uh, 
uh, but they, uh, they, they really are. Someone, uh, I, I was counseling a couple uh, uh, some years ago, and uh, the woman was complaining about him, and uh, she says to me these words. She said, I feel like he's being nice to me so he can get me in bed. And I said, of course, dear. That's exactly what he's doing. <laughs> you know, you, when, when, you, when you have to counsel people, sometimes you wonder, uh, is there a disconnect somewhere inside there, the wiring that they don't understand? Uh, the issues of life. Someone else wrote, holding hands at midnight neath a starry sky. Nice work. You can get it, and you can get it if you try. So you have to work at your marriage. You have to work at this. Hebrews 13, 4 says, Marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled. But fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. Jaja Gabor, who gives great insight about marriage. <laughs> says, husbands are like fires. They go out when unattended. Quite a bit of insight there, I'd say. And then another author says, what's the sexiest thing a young dad can do for his wife? The dishes. That's very interesting, isn't it? One young woman uh, uh, makes this statement. One young husband uh, then makes a statement, sex has a way of patching up the emotions between us. Okay, so having said all that, the real problem of this generation is they never learn to dance. I'm serious. That's the real problem. Those of you who are older and learn to dance, you know that there is an orchestration that each senses what the other move is going to be. See, the, the problem with this generation is that they go uh, to, into a building somewhere and nobody ever dances anywhere. They just shake their genitals at each other and that's uh, And that, uh, there's nothing, you know, I, I, what's that all about? See, dancing means that a couple can move together in rhythm, they harmonize, and they can move all over the floor, and they never miss a beat because they've learned how to sense what the other's doing, and they move in harmony. But you see, this is a selfish generation. This generation is self-centered, self-gratifying, and self-serving, and the difficulty is that they think that they're going to be able to go through life in a marriage and not pay attention to what the other person feels or thinks about and they're going to successfully get through that, and you're wrong. Someone uh, made another uh, comment that's very uh, noteworthy. It says, The philosophers of sex seem unable to accept the fact that physical and emotional ple pleasure is the dominant feature of the sexual relationship. God created man and woman with the capacity for sexual pleasure and means for them to enjoy this in marriage. It occupies a, a relatively small space in the marriage. Yet without that union, the marriage is no marriage, is like the spark plug of a car, small but essential. It sets the whole mechanism in motion. While it is primarily a physical act, it draws much more than mere physical sensation into, uh, into orbit around it. It is a deep and fundamental giving of oneself, a yielding, 
of the procreative powers to another. Another uh, uh, author made an interesting statement and says the man or woman whose partner eagerly testifies against him or her will soon be looking for a replacement. One author says a woman develops self-esteem by her relationship with her husband. Why the need for the romantic element in the love relationship, and it's found uh, right there. So I remarked last night about uh, the little things become the big things, and uh, uh, this uh, highlights the entire problem of marriage. Is a successful marriage is two people harmonizing and balancing in life together. And the little things not allowed to become the big things, but the little things paid attention to. I talked about the toothpaste tube. Well, uh, that, uh, there's more than a toothpaste tube. When, when I uh, open a package of cookies or a bag of potato chips, I rip it open. I mean, the, the, the point is to get it open. <laughs> My wife is a surgeon. It has to be properly open. And so that was one of the complaints that she made uh, this week, that in 50 years she's never been able to train me how to open a package of cookies or potato chips. The point is, you know, uh, I'm an important man. I've got things to do. And a man with a destiny as great as I have has no time for the small stuff, you know. Get this so uh, she's lived with that, and she's adjusted to that. And because of that, uh, we, uh, she hasn't um, made that the, the Proverbs, the continual contentious woman. She mentions it from time to time, and I ignore it, and we go on, and we're happily married. <laughs> Someone else wrote, says, impossible to treat a woman too well. Someone else said, the definition of a beautiful woman is one who loves me. The news media featured a convict's daylight escape from prison and uh, his volunteer return to and surrender that night. When reporters asked him why he'd come back, he said, the minute I sneaked home to see my wife, the first thing she said was, where have you been? You escaped eight hours ago. <laughs> okay. So we're going to take a 15-minute break, let you go to the bathroom, and uh, we're going to start uh, uh, the second seminar at five minutes after 10. So if you want to take a break, it'll be fine, and we'll be back and go on the second seminar. <laughs>